0: So let's uh, start to turn our attention, shall we, to this subject of creation. Now, the text that Care put together in their statement says this God's design for humanity and the world, as revealed in Genesis, is good and helps us flourish. Every human is created in the image of God and has innate value and dignity and has been given responsibility to steward the earth. That's what it says, that's what we believe. Why do we believe that? Where does that come from in the Bible? Let's open up uh, these opening opening chapters of Genesis. So in in these opening first couple of chapters of Genesis, um, we find in them some really challenging issues uh, which speak directly into our culture today. And we're going to come back to these over the probably coming months, really. But if you want to know a little bit more, back in 2019, I preached through these, these chapters uh, in, a, in a series entitled Foundations. And you can find them on the website. They're all there. Those sermons are there. But these are some of the topics that we can tackle in these opening two chapters alone. Creation and evolution, creation care, the role of women, race, sex, marriage, gender. <laughs> there you go. Um, all of those current, all of those contemporary. All of those uh, issues are ones that actually in our world today we need to grapple with and understand as Christians where our position comes from. As we do that, and as we open up God's word, there are questions that we need to ask ourselves. And there are good questions, and there are questions that are not so helpful. In dialogue and in conversation, we talk about open questions, questions where people can have, are encouraged to you know, talk and engage Rather than a closed question, which can be answered with a yes or a no or a one-word answer, and you know you ask the question, a closed question, and the conversation just stops because they give an answer and that's it. Open questions invite a conversation; they invite dialogue. If you've been a parent of young children, you'll know that one of the questions those children ask occasionally is "Why?" Well, because I said so. Why? Well, because I said so. Why? And so they keep asking why. It's like well, it doesn't matter what I say, does it? You got to ask, you know. It's a question to ask, but is it helpful? Do they get the answers that they really want? Questions are important. The right questions are invaluable. Good science is based on the right questions being asked, questions which lead to a desire to find the answers. But the wrong answers and the wrong questions can lead us to a dead end. They can lead us to ending up in in a bit of a hole, frustrated with more questions, so, asking the right questions is really important. Just be careful that we don't ask the wrong questions. One of the first questions we should always ask when we open the Bible is what did it mean to those who read it first? What does this mean, and what did this mean when those first people picked this up and heard these words? See, the amazing truth is that this Bible that we have, this book that we have, is relevant for today in every aspect of our lives. But it was written for a specific group of people in a specific context, which, shock, horror, isn't 21st century England. <laughs> but that's how often we read it. We expect it to speak directly into our, into our context, into our world. And when it doesn't, we kind of throw it out as irrelevant. It was written for a different context, for a different group of people, and therefore we need to do a little bit more work to unpack it It's why we struggle perhaps a little bit more with the Old Testament than the New, because that was written much earlier and for a very different context. And so sometimes we just read it and go, I don't understand this, so therefore it can't be relevant for me, and we can ignore it. But that's not how we should approach the Bible. And we're going to open chapters, uh, just these opening kind of verses of Genesis chapter 1, just for a few moments, to reflect on what we believe about creation. But in the context, just... Just a a bit of an overview of Genesis 1 and 2. Uh, What what the story does for us in chapter 1, we kind of get the creation story, as it were, told from heaven, told, told by God and his view of it looking down on earth and what he created. And actually within that there's order and there's synergy to what goes on. You may never have clocked it, unless you can remember back in 2019 when I taught, and this is the first time, Day one was day and night. Day two was sky and seas. Day three was land and vegetation. So then, what happens on day four? We get sun, moon, and stars. So the day and the night are then populated, as it were, with the sun, moon, and stars that God created. God creates on day two the sky and the seas. And so, what do we expect on day five? and birds see the synergy what's going on here and so when God creates the land and the vegetation on day three the next thing that we expect and we find is that he creates animals and man on days one to three it's like God creates the set he creates the picture the, the, the bit the, the kind of the the, the the stage is set for then the world to be created and populated But on day two, uh, in Genesis chapter two, we kind of get the same account, but told from kind of the grassroots level. So it's almost told from the story of the garden, and what it looks like, and what it felt like, and what it was for the people in the garden as this world was created. So Genesis one and two, they complement each other. Different stories, different perspectives on the same story. But within those two chapters, the same three things are there that God was intimately involved in the creation process. There was an order and there was a pattern to creation. It wasn't just haphazard. And man was created differently and special. What do we believe about creation? First of all, then, there is one God. In the beginning, God. If you are interested enough to go to these these, uh, libraries or go online and read the early texts of creation accounts from other cultures around at this time, you will see and discover that there are lots of parallels between those accounts and the account that we have in Genesis 1 and 2. But there are some distinct differences, and they all point to this one significant difference, that in Genesis, and the Bible is unique in saying that there is one God. It's unapologetic in the fact that it says that there's one God. All the other accounts, all the other records will describe different gods. Gods who does this and God that does that. But for the Christian, for us as a church, we believe that there is one true God. Now isn't that relevant for our world today? However, it's not very PC to say that, is it? Not very PC to say, well, we believe that we have one true God. What about all the other gods? Well, Whether we like it or not, the truth is the truth. You may not like certain things, but it, if it's the truth, it's the truth. Whether you like it or not, it's, emotions don't come into it. If it's true, it's true. And it can't be true for one person, not true for everybody. If it's true, it's true. The truth is the truth. There is one God. The truth can bring, bring us incredible comfort and strength. We don't live in an age of Marvel, Marvel characters that are sort of scrapping it out on the sort of stage to kind of figure out who's the most important and who's the most powerful. There is one God. When we're struggling, when we're facing difficulties, the God of creation, the God of the Christian faith, he is the one true God who transcends, who transcends everything and everyone. There is one God. This is our God. Now the challenge for you and I is that we might believe that and we might sing about it and we might you know, know it in our heads, but do we actually live it out? In truth, we allow other things to crowd in, other things to come into our lives that vie for attention, that that tell us that they're more important and tell us that they should be considered. Other things that we elevate in some ways in our lives to that place of God-like status. And therefore, God, by default, just becomes another within our world and within what we believe. That might be money, it might be family, it might be work, it might be success, it might be popularity. It could be all sorts of different things. But just because we believe that there is one God and we sing about it on a Sunday, doesn't mean say that we live that the rest of the, of, the, of the week. Genesis chapter 1 reminds us that there is one God. One true God. And we believe that. We believe that is real and relevant for us. But moving on, we also believe that that God, the God that we worship, is the God who created. In the beginning, God created. And when we come to this particular issue of creation, we cannot look further than those opening words of Genesis chapter 1. And the question that we all want to know is, how do you do it? <laughs> how, how, how? That's not a question for us, in terms of the Bible, in terms of faith. That's a scientific question. The Bible isn't interested in trying to answer that how question. The Bible is interested in the question, who? And why? And if you come to the, the Genesis 1 and you say, how? Then you're going to struggle, because you're not going to find the answers in the Bible. Now, if we want to understand how this passage was understood by the first readers of it, the most contentious issue that they had was not how God created the world, but the fact that God created the world. all All other religions and cultures believed in creation. They all believed that gods, multiple gods, made things happen. What they didn't believe was that one true God made it happen. So all of the other texts of this time did not have an issue with creation as it is recorded here. They did have an issue with the fact that it says one true God did it all. We believe as Christians, we believe as a church, that God created the world. How? Well, evolution and science has a perspective on that. And the creation story and the evolution story don't have to uh, be at odds with each other there's only one area where, and we'll come back to that in a moment but the two the two stories can sit comfortably side by side, it, it's, it's my view that creation didn't happen in six 24 hour periods, we see the word day there, we think 24 hour period that's, we, we read back into Genesis 1, our understanding of what day is day is a period of time but our period of time our day is 24 hours and therefore we read that back into Genesis 1 and we just assume and put that onto the story and on the text isn't true the fact is Genesis 1 tells us that God created the world God spoke and it happened. how we don't know Evolution has something to tell us about the, the scientific community has something to tell us about how it happened. But there is one difference, and that is that humanity is different. The, the traditional view of evolution is that kind of, you know, we kind of we have evolved out of a, you know, a cell that came up, you know, crawled out of the water and then all that stuff. Now, what evolution might have something to say about? The created world as it is. We as human beings, we're not just evolving out of a cell. <laughs> we are created differently. We are, we're created special. No other uh, of the created part, if you read the creation story again from Genesis 1, there's only one part where it says, God said, Let us make man in our image everything else was god said and it happened here we get this sense of god talking to himself this first sense that there's something more than just god the father this this kind of unwritten unspoken part of the trinity is kind of alluded to here Let us okay what does that mean let us make man in our image not in my image so we get this, this window, this kind of sense that the Trinity, there's, there's more than, than just the one within the Godhead. But mankind is special. If you go into chapter 2, verse 7, we find this. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. We are the only creation, only created beings, that God breathed his life into. We're special. We're different. We were all made in the image of God, created in the likeness of God. Every human being carries that likeness, carries that image. I've referenced this book before, a book by John Burke. And he talks about the fact that, you know, as human beings, we are created in the image of God. And when people in our world do good things, they're doing things because that's the image of God. They don't know why they're doing it in that way. They don't necessarily recognize the creator that's behind it. But they are exercising the, and operating in the image of God that is embedded in them. We all have it. We were all created in his image. So our, our understanding of this truth that every human being carries the image of God it should shape our attitude to people, whatever background, race, color, opinion they have. Each one is made in the image of God, carries the image of God. Even the ones that we struggle with, the people we, that perhaps we don't necessarily want to sit next to in church because they wind us up. They're made in the image of God. How do we see one another, love one another, love our neighbor as ourselves? Every human being is special. And every human being has been given a unique place and purpose. Verse 28 of chapter 1, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground three functions then for us as human beings are be fruitful and increase in number to, to multiply and populate the earth fill the earth and subdue it rule over the earth what does that mean? that means that you and I have a God given responsibility to care for this world We have a responsibility, not just to ourselves, but for the generations to come, to care for the world, to use the world's resources wisely. It doesn't say anywhere in there that we can abuse that right and that responsibility and that privilege. It doesn't say anywhere in there you should take it for granted. We have a responsibility, a God-given responsibility, to care for this world. And so, therefore, it, it is important for us all of us, to consider how we treat the world, how we shop, how we travel, how we use the Earth's resources. Over this weekend, I've just filled in the eco-church survey for us as a a church, reflecting on, as a church, what do we do? Are we using sustainable and renewable energy? Are we thinking about what we do and how we operate as a church? Are we teaching on this stuff? Tick. <laughs> we have a responsibility, folks. A God-given responsibility to care for this world. To look out for others. And we cannot put our heads in the sand and go, it doesn't affect me. It affects our, those that we leave, who are coming behind us. You know, we have a responsibility to the generations to follow. To leave their world in a good place for them. So, think about it, reflect on it, talk about it, discuss it. Dig a bit deeper on it. What does it mean for us to care well for our world? I wouldn't be doing justice to this if I didn't just highlight the last thing, which is in day seven, there was rest. Talked about this when I came back from sabbatical. What does it mean for us to have a Sabbath? How do you understand the Sabbath? If God took a break... It's important that we recognize that we need to take a break and rest as well. And I speak to myself as much as to anybody else on that topic. But I need to highlight that it's there in this text. We believe as a church that the Bible teaches us that God, the one true God, and there is but one true God, created the world. How? Science can tell us some of that but God was behind it. God was the architect. God was the one who made it happen. He didn't have to. He chose to because he wanted to. He created human beings differently to the rest of creation. We are the only ones to have the breath of life. God's breath breathes into us. We are created in the image of God carry the likeness of God. Every human being, no matter who they are, no matter what they've done, no matter what their choices are in life, they are made in the image of God. Even those who you know, commit heinous crimes, they are made in the image of God. And we struggle with that. I struggle to understand that. But it's, it's the truth of God's word. That image has been tainted and damaged and, and corroded by the world's influence on that person or that family or whatever it may be but they are all made in the image of god let's never forget that and therefore that truth of every human being is made in the likeness of god in the image of god should impact how we relate to one another how we honor one another how we treat other people And we've been entrusted with the, the job and the task of caring for creation to rule and to care for this world it's a god-given mandate that has been given to us and although it is broken and we'll come to that next week when we look at the fall at no point does god ever take that task away from us at no point does god ever say to us okay don't have to worry about anymore he doesn't ever do that it's harder He says you have to do a bit more work now because there's going to be weeds you're going to have to dig harder and thorns. So, if you want to grow stuff, it's going to be a little harder than it was before. But it's still your responsibility to care for this world, to steward this world well. God's design for humanity and the world is revealed in Genesis. It is good and it helps us to flourish. Every human is created in the image of God and has innate value and dignity and has been given responsibility to steward the earth that's what we believe and that belief will impact how we live our lives